millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, October 20th. I'm Michael Guidry in for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a state senator is joining educators and medical professionals and calling for Medicaid expansion in Mississippi. Then Huntington College debuted their women's wrestling team, which is the first collegiate women's team in Alabama history. Plus, the Mississippi University for Women has unveiled a new marker in honor of the school's first black students. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Rural and community hospitals are in crisis, but experts say expanding Medicaid could help alleviate some of that strain on the state's health care system. Community leaders, healthcare workers, and educators met in Jackson yesterday for a roundtable discussion on Medicaid expansion. Among the attendees is Clarissa Belmer, a home health provider from Jackson. She tells our Lacey Alexander Medicaid expansion would change the lives of many youth and elders in the state. I sit with the elderly, uh, some disabled children, and I also work with uh, the youth in my church. And some of them are, you know, have you no know, disabilities. And I think that. I had the right to speak on that, that uh, expanded that Medicaid because we need it. We need it. I mean, what, without it, like I said, without it, we can't be helped. We, we need those services to keep uh, us healthy and we can provide work and care for our children. If I'm not eligible to get Medicaid and I'm not able to get and I get sick, I can't provide for my family because I'm sick. There's no income coming in. And then, like I said, uh, I work with a lot of, I uh, worked at the nursing home also. And um, those uh, services are needed in the nursing home. You know, if they don't have Medicaid or Medicare in those nursing homes, they can't get glasses. They can't get their teeth clean. They can't get um, the service they need. Like if they get, they get sick and they're not able to be sent out to get those medical attention they need. And families don't have the money to, you know, to pay for private care. So we, we, we need that Medicaid to be extended. Yeah, there was a statement on the panel that said this doesn't just affect poor Mississippians. No, it, does not. it affects everybody. It affects the health workers. It affects the doctors, the nurses, teachers, children, elderly. It affects everybody. Why do you think that's true? How does it trickle down that powerfully? Um, because, like I said, um, if everybody's sick, who's working? Who's working? 
One more question for you. You said you work specifically with a lot of people that are a little bit older. You talked a lot about how that age group specifically needs this care. Um, When we're talking about how Medicare has to be expanded, do you think that old people are the ones left behind the most? Or what what demographic do you see needs this? It's it's, it's, um, the elderly left behind and our children are left behind. And um, like I said, without those, without that service, we can't provide the need and the care for our elderly and our children. We have like the um, Ronald McDonald House. They run off donations. But if they do have that Medicaid or Medicare with them, it helps with their treatments that they have. Yeah. Well, Clarissa, thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. The event was held outside of the Jackson Hines Comprehensive Health Center, a facility that helps low-income residents talk with health care providers. Democratic Senator Solly Norwood of Jackson says all Mississippians would benefit from expanding Medicaid. We need to get the word out. We need to expand Medicaid. Uh, Commissioner Presley has committed to expanding Medicaid. The uh, this Mississippians have suggested that we need they support expansion of Medicaid so we want folks to understand the importance of of uh, going out and voting and voting uh, obviously for somebody that's going to expand Medicaid and that is uh, Brandon Presley uh, he's made that commitment and so we want to you know as you see people coming in and out of this health care facility here I mean we have there's a great need for, for more health yeah, health intervention and, and health intervention and all of that. So that's, we just want to get the word out. We want to get the word out. You're advocating for Presley to be voted for at this event. What has the current governor not done to prioritize this issue? He has not done anything to, to prioritize it. Uh, uh, and, that, and that is very you know, disheartening. He has actually said that he will not expand Medicaid. And I mean, you know, going back to the article that I was reading back in 2019 where at that point uh, his um, opponent um, was running for governor and he chastised him for even um, talking about expanding Medicaid. But, you know, let's get it straight. Expanding Medicaid is not a black issue. It's not a white issue. It's not a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. It just makes good sense as a Mississippian. Yes, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, and I'm supporting Brandon Presley, but at the end of the day, uh, I support expanding Medicaid, and Brandon Presley is the person that set, him out, set himself out to say that he supports expanding Medicaid, and that's the reason that I'm that I'm uh, advocating for his election. Gotcha. Last question for you, Senator. When Medicaid is not expanded, when we don't have more Medicaid benefits, who gets left behind first? Basically, all of us are going to get left behind. The individuals that qualify for the expanded Medicaid will not have access to health care. That's going to hurt our employment market because uh, they will, individuals will be less employable, if you would it. Uh, but we're going to benefit. We're going to hurt by the same token because it's going to hurt the economy. We won't have access to the resources that we have here in uh, uh, the revenue that expanding med- Medicaid would generate. Gotcha. Senator Norwood, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. 
Several of Mississippi's hospitals have reduced services or closed completely in recent years. Coming up, Huntington College has debuted their women's wrestling team, which is the first collegiate women's team in Alabama history. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Listen to MPB Think Radio at 10 on weekday mornings for shows about your legal rights, modern technology, car repair, and other topics of interest. Programs made by Mississippians for Mississippians on MPB Think Radio. Workweek ends with local programs on MPB Think Radio. At 9, all aspects of gardening are discussed on the Gestalt Gardener. Next Stop Mississippi highlights events taking place around the state at 10. At 11, explore women's health on Southern Remedy for Women. listen to Write On Mississippi? It was important for me to write this, write real stories about people from these communities and do it in a way that's creative, inventive, that captures the wonder of the ways I grew up and what better way with ghosts. Write On Mississippi, a podcast. Download now at mpbonline.org from the Mississippi Book Festival and MPB. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. It's the start of the wrestling season at Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama. This season will be one for the history books because Huntington has the only collegiate women's team in the Gulf South. Joseph King traveled to Montgomery for the Hawks season opener and has this story for the Gulf States newsroom. In a gym packed with fans, family, and recruits, the Huntington Hawks give the crowd a look at their 2023 wrestling teams. (laughs) Sophomore Shelby Fugate is ready to show off some of the things she's been working on including her favorite wrestling move. A Granby is where you, you roll out, and you can either roll out while grabbing something on them or just roll out to escape something. Uh, in folk style, I used it a lot uh, to get a pin. I'd roll out from bottom and get on top and get a pin. Fugate has been wrestling for a long time, and it runs in her family. I've wanted to wrestle since I was in kindergarten or first grade. My sister wrestled, and uh, after she started that, my entire family just started wrestling. So she wrestled, my brothers wrestled, then I wrestled. This showcase is an intra match. That means the Hawks split themselves into two teams and scrimmage each other. They had a few injuries coming into the season, so Fugate says she and her teammates worked out some boundaries in advance. We had agreement. I wouldn't go for her knees. She wouldn't go for my knee. So it was, it was more like a more intense live practice. But they still tried to give the crowd a good show. This is the first season for the women's wrestling team in Huntington. Saturday was homecoming for the school, and these wrestling matches are a preview, not only for fans, but also potential recruits. There were more than 15 recruits at Huntington for the women's team alone. Tristan Robinson is a freshman at Huntington from Dothan, Alabama. She says she loves the intensity that wrestling brings and that feeling of exhaustion. 
I love competing. I love working hard, and I like feeling like I'm dying sometimes. And then being able to, at the end of it, being like, I just did that, and I'm proud of myself for that. Robinson credits her father for her love with the sport. He started the wrestling team at our high school, and now he's here cheering his daughter on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to their competitions and, and seeing how they stack up against the, the girls in the conference and the girls in the, within the, the rest of the United States, you know. And he would like to see this sport take off in the Deep South. Yeah, I want everybody to get on board, and, uh, and you know, just like they would for Alabama football. Yeah. Freshman Santisha Taft says she stumbled into her love for wrestling in high school. A soccer coach encouraged her and later became her wrestling coach. And he was like, just come get on the mat with me then. And I wanted to have him coach me in anything for my senior year. So I went and wrestled, and I came here. She says she loves the independence that comes with wrestling. I like that if I lose, I'm not going to put it on anybody else. I know it's me, and that's something I have to work on personally. And when I win, no one can take it from me because it's not like, oh, I did this. That's why you got this. It's I went out there. I competed. I won for myself. The National Wrestling Coaches Association says women's wrestling is the fastest-growing collegiate sport right now. But Taff says she may only see one or two black girls on a team, and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. I feel the need to prove myself more. She wants to encourage black girls to try wrestling, to get on the mat. Stay true to yourself, know who you are, no matter where you go or who you're around, never change yourself. Like, know who you are as a person and stand by that 100%. Head coach Lillian Humphreys is in her second year at the school. She spent her first year recruiting and is excited to finally be able to show off the team. She says the college has shown its support from day one. A lot of these girls that are coming in don't have the same equal opportunity as the men's, and locker rooms included. They a lot of times have to go use the bathroom in the hallway. At Huntingdon, I got hired on June 1st of 2022, and by June 9th of that year, um, they started building our women's locker room. Um, which is a huge investment for one, and I didn't even have a team. It kind of makes sense that Humphreys is leading the first collegiate women's wrestling team in the Gulf South. She was on the first Division I women's wrestling team in the country. Like many of the women she coaches, Humphreys says she had a lot of support from her family. I, I was hesitant at first because I was the only girl on my team. Um, by the end of the day, I thought it would be a good opportunity for me, so I took it. She also wants to encourage more girls to get on the mat. It says, you never know where wrestling can take you. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Joseph King. And the Huntington Hawks head to Georgia to match up with Life University's Eagles on November 11th. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, the Mississippi University for Women has unveiled a new marker that honors the school's first black students. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Radio Reading Service of Mississippi provides print-impaired Mississippians with news, information, and entertainment. To learn more or to see if you qualify, call 601-432-6301. There are many ways to support the programs you love on MPB. Becoming a member... Starting a monthly gift. Donate a vehicle you don't need anymore. And now, donating a piece of land or other real estate. To learn more about the advantages of donating real estate, just click Donate Now from mpbonline.org. 
I'm Scott Tong. Bonnie Garmus's punchy novel, Lessons in Chemistry, is now an Apple TV series experiment about a chemist pushed out of the lab by sexism who becomes a cooking show host. Not a traditional one. A man wants his wife to make him a drink after a long day at work. Why do you assume that his day was longer than hers? Why don't you make the drink? Next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MVB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. The Mississippi University for Women, commonly known as the W, has unveiled a new marker that tells the story of the first six young black women to enroll at the college in 1966. Known as the Fabulous Six, the women began college just four years after President John F. Kennedy called in 30,000 U.S. troops to get James Meredith to class at Old Miss. Our Kobe Vance speaks with Laverne Green Leach, one of the women being honored by the university. She says the integration process wasn't as violent as the one at Old Miss, but there were still many people against the change. August of 1966, when we first enrolled there, and it was different. It was quite different, you know. It was different for us. It was different for them because it was something new. However, it was not that we were trying to break any barriers or trying to get any recognition or anything. We were just trying to go to school. We were just three little 17-year-old girls that was trying to go to school. Uh, what was it like to be able to get this opportunity to go to school in a town nearby and be able to go to a place and, I guess, find yourself on the cutting edge of history? We went to Hunt High School, R.E. Hunt High School. It was the only high school for the whole county of Lowndes County, Mississippi. And um, it was it was great. You know, we had no idea that we could go to school so close to home. We thought we'd have to go to Jackson State or Mississippi Valley or Tougaloo or somewhere, you know, Alcorn. But we never thought we'd be able to go to school right here in in the city that we lived in. Did that make a big difference for y'all? It did. It made a big difference because the tuition was not that expensive. And, and, well, they weren't going to let us live on campus, so we didn't have to worry about room and board. So it was very feasible for us. You mentioned that you weren't able to live on campus. I saw that the the dormitories were still segregated at the time you all began, but a couple of years later, they began to desegregate those. What was that uh, transition like, seeing these things unfold over time? Yes. uh, When we were there, the, the campus was segregated. You know, you couldn't live on the campus. But in two or three years later, the campus was open and students were allowed to live. However, they had like one dormitory that everybody lived in at first, and then eventually they spread out all over the campus. What was it like seeing that change and being able to be a part of it? It was great to see it. You know, we didn't even realize that there was a change. You know, we just saw things happening. We couldn't visualize how big it was. You know, it was just just going to school, you know. We were not trying to change history or make history or anything like that. We were just trying to go to school in our hometown. Y'all enrolled in 1966. Just four years prior was when James Meredith enrolled at Ole Miss, and he faced uh, some historically 
well-known lashback from people who lived in the area as well as the governor at the time, Ross Barnett. What was your experience? Did you have any people that spoke out against this? And if so, what, how did you respond to them? Yes, we did. We had, uh, we had a lot of people that spoke out against it, some of the students, some of the teachers, the people in the neighborhood. We just persevered. We just went on. They didn't come after us with bully clubs or anything like that, but they let us know that we were not wanted or accepted at where we were. You know, you could feel the tension. You know, you know after a while, it really got to us, you know, and, and it affected us mentally, really, because you never know when someone was going to tell you to get off of this sidewalk or, or when someone was going to dump garbage on your table where you were eating lunch. So many things happened. It was rough. It was rough. And then, you know, walking down the street, going home, you had to pass through neighborhoods that were not happy to see you coming from that school. It, it was it was it was trying. How did y'all get through those tough moments? And did you have anybody that you could turn to in those times? No, we didn't have a lot of people that we could turn to. Because if you know anything about the 60s, you know, there was a lot going on in Mississippi at that time. When we chose to go to the W, we were isolated by our own people. You know, the black people didn't have anything really to do with us. And uh, it was just isolation, annihilation, you know. You just, nobody really wanted to be around you. And we understood why, because... You had to fear for your life. You know, it was just uh, in 64 that some people had been murdered in Philadelphia, and a lot of it was because of association. In the time since, what's it been like seeing schools integrate more and being able to look back on your alma mater and think about your time there? It's wonderful. You know, I walk through that campus now, goes there a lot to eat lunch, um, and to see the diversity there, it makes my heart throb. Because during the time that we were there, see, it was a school for white girls only. And now we have black girls, Spanish girls, everybody. And we even have men there now. And, and it's just great to see that this is truly a state school that's for everyone. What kept you going through all that time? My faith in God, prayer. He was he was he was the only person that I could go to because even my parents were a little afraid. You know, they were afraid for me every day when I walked out of that house to go to school. My parents was afraid. They didn't even know if I would get back, but God knew. If you had to talk to students today and share your experience, what would be your advice to them, to students that are trying to just get through their own lives in a world that is still facing hurdles that are unique to this time, but still recall back to the struggles that have faced minorities and others for all throughout history? It's amazing that you would ask me that question because one of the instructors from the W spoke to me yesterday and asked me if I would come and speak to some of the students about persevering in some things that you have to endure. And I said I would be glad to because I want to let them know 
that you can. You can survive. You can do you can do whatever you want to do. And pressures will come. But you have to have the faith and trust and go on. You've mentioned that you didn't do this for fame or notoriety or anything like that. But what does it mean to you to be able to see a plaque or, or a marker being placed in your and your fellow classmates' honor to remember the, the legacy that y'all have left behind at the uh, university? I tell you, this morning, uh, the local TV station asked me to come on campus. They wanted to just get some walkthrough. And I was walking through, and as I was walking through, I came to the area where the market is. Of course, it's still covered. But just knowing what it stands for and what it will read, it was overwhelming. It almost brought tears to my eyes. Because I never, never in the wildest dreams did I ever think that there would be a marker anywhere. Laverne Green is one of the six students who helped integrate Mississippi University for Women in 1966. Laverne, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.